Welcome to the Healing Process Podcast, where we explore how to move from hurt to healing. I'm your host, Nathan Sellers. I'm an LCSW with a passion for helping people heal, grow, and become the best version of themselves. Listen today as we learn from my guest, Cameron Armstrong. All right, I'm excited to be able to have my close friend, Cameron Armstrong, on the show today. Thanks, Cameron, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for the invite. This, this I have been friends with, with Cameron now for, I mean, 15 years, I think it is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're at the point where we can't even keep track. Yeah, I have known and seen you in a, in a variety of settings. Mostly we were, were at work together, but as we became friends, we were able to see each other in a, more settings. Right. And one of the things that I've always admired about you is your dedication to to self-improvement and, you know, being your best self and trying new things and not being afraid to try new things. And so it was kind of interesting. We were having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago about my podcast and you were talking about your learning disability. And it just clicked for me of like, I have watched you heal for a part of that. <laughs> and yeah. it was just like, I hadn't thought of doing a podcast about healing from learning disabilities. So I, I'm so excited to kind of hear your story, you know, from a much younger age, which you've told me a bit about. Right. To hear your story and to start unraveling how you were able to heal from that, despite even still having some of those learning challenges. Oh, yeah, they're still here. Yeah, it's it's a hard wiring issue. It's like it's not going to go away. When you talked to me about this idea, because when you told me about your podcast, I was excited for you. I'm like, that's cool. And I've been on a couple other podcasts, but I never thought that like, why would I be on yours? Like, I haven't had any like major trauma. I haven't had any of this other things that have happened when you but when you talked about healing, uh, it really made me think, what have I healed from and and I want to get into that because it's not so much the learning disability it's the the mindset that it I kind of developed not on purpose and this whole yeah. story that we're going to talk about this isn't about my parents it's not about my siblings you just don't know what you don't know right and so like we didn't know my parents yeah. didn't know my my siblings didn't know anything about like what was going on and yeah dive into it and and start talking about when you started noticing something was different or hard for you? Well, it was very early. It's like elementary school. And you very much want to be like everybody else. You just want to be one of the people. But like people could get things that I couldn't get. You just, you just notice stuff, you know, like when my biggest fear in elementary school was having someone, you know, when they go, okay, we're done. Pass your paper to the person next to you to grade. Yeah. That was the biggest fear yeah. because I always knew my, my answers were going to be different. Yeah. And you like kind of look over and they look at you kind of like, oh, you're sucking at this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I, I'm grading someone else's paper and they're getting it all right. And I go, I know I didn't give that answer. I didn't give that answer. I didn't give that one. And it's, it's like, it's nerve wracking because you know that you're, you can't do it and other yeah. people can. And it seems... And I, and I use the word seems on purpose because it seems easy for them because I know it's difficult for me. 
I don't know if it's easy for them. And I didn't know that. You just don't have that ability to think about that when you're in elementary school. You just go off what it appears. And so to me, it was like, everything's easy for them. Everything's hard for me. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. And you don't know how to tell your parents that. And you don't know how to tell your teacher. And the only time anyone ever talks to you about is when you're doing it wrong. And so it's something you just don't want to talk about ever. You know, you just want to. So when they say grade your own paper, it's like, oh, uh, hallelujah, (laughs) you know, because I'm the only one that knows how poorly I did. Yeah. And then I can just like give it to the teacher and just hope she never says anything about it. Yeah. And you just can't help but compare yourself. Yeah. What is your specific learning disability? Is there a name for it? Yeah. Dysgraphia. And talk a bit about what that is. So it's a writing disorder. So it's, it's an output Like when I say dysgraphia, people start thinking dyslexia. Dyslexia is an input. Mm -hmm. So it's like as light goes into the eye and then goes back and talks to the brain, that's an inward direction that information is going. So it's an input. And there's something in the wires that gets kind of crossed. Uh, Dysgraphia is an output disorder. So it's like everything's fine in my head, but as my brain is trying to talk to my hand, I, I mix up letters and I mix up numbers. So instead of a 34, I'll write a 43. Right. I'll put a capital letter in the middle of the word. Uh, or I might put the first letter in the middle of the word. So like the word home, mm-hmm. I would write O-H-M-E. But the mm-hmm. H would be capitalized. And it might be in the middle yeah. of the sentence and the H is capitalized. You know, like the word of, like even today, even when I'm typing, I type O-V instead of OF, because it's of, it sounds yeah. like a V. And for some reason, my brain just right. tells my hands to to do OV. And I have to double check that all the time. I have to pause for a second before I type it or write it. And I have the same handwriting as I did when I was in sixth grade today. And the reason I know yeah. that is because yeah. my mom found a box full of our old homework. And my stepbrother is the same age as me. So he's only six months younger. We're in the same grade. And I can compare his homework to mine. And when we were looking at this old homework in elementary school, his handwriting kept getting better throughout the years. And mine stopped around sixth grade and stayed the same throughout the rest of high school. And even now, like uh, writing can be painful sometimes. If I write too long, my hand will start to hurt. Mm-hmm. in ways that other people don't complain about. Yeah. Um, they do have dysgraphia pens and other things like that, but they didn't have that when I was no. younger. And so I'm just like, I just thought, well, it just hurts. Like you just got to yeah. keep, keep writing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an output thing and that, and we'll get into that too. Cause, cause when we figured that out, it really helped, but right. when you don't know what it is, I didn't get tested until I was a senior in high school. Elementary school was extremely difficult. Junior high, I got, you know, my mom, I had five incompletes one semester and my, my mom took, took me out and homeschooled me for a bit, but that didn't really help too much. My mom didn't know how to do that. I think she was also trying to start a business at the same time and didn't have a lot of time, but like I tell people like, you know, I don't know how I graduated high school and that's not being superfluous or I'm not exaggerating that. I really have no idea. You're supposed to have like algebra two, like there's other, there's requirements that you need to do. Like I never made it through algebra one. I totally failed that. And 
tried it again, totally failed it. Yeah. And I was in remedial math my senior year doing adding and subtracting and multiplication and stuff. And I never made it into geometry or anything like that. I, my mom took me out to dinner. If I got a C in English, it was right. like celebrate. You yeah. Know? It's like you passed, you know, <laughs> and I didn't get higher than a D in any of my classes until my senior year. Like I just failed. I failed classes all of the time. And so to say, I have no idea how I graduated. I think they just said, let's just let Cameron go. Courtesy prize. Like, that must've been the conversation yeah. because it's like, there was no IEPs, you know, there was anything like that. I just, I got my diploma. Yeah. So you, you talked earlier about like, it, it was a mindset that, that was the problem. Um, talk about how like dealing with that through childhood and into later adolescence affected how you thought about you. Well, okay. I might get a little emotional here. So there's a, there's a scene in Forrest Gump that I think that um, speaks to it. And it's not a scene that is famous for the movie, but it's in the end of the movie when he finds out he has a son. And if you remember the scene, he gets, he gets emotional. He backs up, he backs away from Jenny. And you think as an audience, you're going like, wow, he's, you know, he's probably thinking about like, oh, I can't be a father. I'm not, you know, whatever. But his first question is, is he smart or is he like me? And he can't even get the words out to say, is he like me? Because he's too emotional. But that, that, that's the mindset is that I was stupid. What other conclusion would an elementary school kid come up with? If everyone else can do it and you can't, you're dumb. So like when I saw that movie with Forrest Company asked that question, is he smart or is he like me? Like that just, I just, I cried in the theater. Cause I'm like, I know exactly what he he's feeling right there. Yeah. But if we go to another movie, um, Kevin Hart in night school. <laughs> <laughs> and when he gets tested and he finds out that he's got, a processing disorder and he's got all these other things and he realizes that like, I'm not dumb. Right. I've got a learning disability and we can do something about that. I know that feeling too. Cause when I got, I got tested in my senior year and they told me that I have a learning disability. Some people think like, that's horrible. Like, Oh, to get diagnosed with something like that. That's mm -hmm. oh, it's the exact opposite. Like I was so thrilled Yeah, <laughs> because it, it just meant that, I'm not dumb. Yeah. It meant that I'm not stupid. And that meant the world to me to go yeah. like, Oh, there's a reason. There's a reason why it's harder for you than it is for other people. And that was, Oh, that just, that was the best. And that's why it's like, this isn't about my parents or anything else because like, we just didn't know, you know, we had no idea why it was hard. And then to get that testing and go, Oh, Wow. There's, there's something else. It's not me. Yeah. So for years, you're developing this mindset around, I'm stupid. I'm right. dumb. And my guess is even a lot of worth issues. Like, what is my worth because I'm stupid? Oh, totally. What helped you to start healing 
from that? Because I see that as like the essence of the, the farm. Well, the first thing is just knowing that testing is really important. And it's not necessarily that you have to go out and hire somebody to do the testing. Like a therapist like you or me can do an assessment on somebody. And But if you want to get really specific into things, then the testing is great. That's the thing that starts it, but that doesn't heal it right away. Because it's like, you know, you're not stupid, but you don't know what you are. Mm. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm not stupid. I'm smart. You don't just jump straight into I'm smart. Right. Uh, but, but you have no idea what you are now. But the beauty thing is, is it kind of opens up a clean slate in some ways mm-hmm. to be able to go, well, I'm not stupid. So maybe there is something out there, mm-hmm. but you don't know what that is. And that one is you just have to kind of roll with it a little bit, but it did change a little bit. So one of the things that did help was that I had Mr. Rowley as my English teacher and He's, he's just one of those teachers that just made learning fun. You know, like he had a joke for everything. He was just like, you know, when you did the spelling tests and they'd say the word and then put in a sentence and then say the word again. He just had the dumbest and funniest things. He'd say like the word is influenza. I open the window and influenza. Influenza. <laughs> you know, it's like he would just do stuff like that. And it was just it was fun. Yeah. But I do remember one time where he he said a joke and this one girl sitting next to me laughed. She was the only one that laughed in the whole class. And then we all looked at her like, you know, cause she's the odd one out. Yeah. We all looked at her. And so she laughed and then, then she like got real quiet and Mr. Rowley goes, Hey, don't worry. They're looking at you like you're the idiot. And then the rest of us are kind of like, Oh, we didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And, uh, she like, she, you know, she frowned for a little bit and then she smiled because she's like, oh, I am the only one that got it in the whole class. Yeah. And then I thought that was cool. But then me and maybe three other people laughed at what he just said Mm -hmm. because we're the only people that got that. And the other people are still kind of confused. And it was the first time in my life that I looked around and other people were confused and I wasn't. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot because I didn't get the joke that she got, but I'm not an idiot that didn't get that one. And they're Mm -hmm. the idiots. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, it was like, oh my gosh, like there are times that I could, that I'm not going to be the idiot in Mm. the class. Yeah. That glimmer of hope. It was, it was, it was just a glimmer. You know, it was like, I got it. And that person didn't get it and they're smart, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I got that one, you know? Yeah. And that was that was such a relief to go like oh there there's, there's things that i could do i can figure out something academically maybe not so i had this mindset of like i can't do college right but maybe i could serve a lds mission for my church because my my brother had done that and my other brother was planning on doing it and maybe i could do that because it's not academics right and so i ended up serving a proselyting mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Chicago. And that pushed me out of my comfort zone in so many ways. Um, but to, to like have a question from somebody and then have to go research it mm-hmm. and study it and then to be able to learn how to teach that and to find an example that they could help them understand that. I had no idea that these are all so academic things. Right. <laughs> 
like I learned how to study in a way that, that was very applicable to what I was going to do that day Mm -hmm. and to be able to teach or to ask questions or to resolve concerns and, and stuff like that. It, It really just expanded my comfort zone in ways that I didn't have to worry about math or English you know, or, or a grade or a test or something like that. Or even the right way of doing it. Like I think right. about the, the setting you're in in Chicago and there's so many different personalities and situations and cultures right. within just that city that when you're in school, you're kind of pigeonholed into, if it's not this way, then you're wrong. Right. Whereas opening up that flexibility of learning and, and figuring out your own style probably helped a whole lot. Oh yeah. And then when like, this guy likes to teach it this way, but I like to teach it this way, or I'll take a little bit of that and he'll take a little bit of this. And it's just, it's just been like, I could, I can do other things. You know, I don't have to just do college, but also to learn that I could be good at it. Yeah. Or public speaking. You have to do that a lot when you're a missionary yeah. and sometimes on the fly. Mm-hmm. And then you, you go, well, maybe I could be good at that. And you know, those were just moments that just kind of build up that different type of confidence yeah. in you. But I still had blocks of like, I can't do anything academic. You know, right. if it had an academic thing around it, then it was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. And people would tell me that I could, and I just wouldn't believe them. Right. So when I came back from my, my uh, mission, I started working in restaurants and it's, you, you know, you have to start thinking of what are you going to do for your career and what are you going to do? Right. So I thought I'll just work up the ladder and become a general manager. Right. But then my general manager hears about that and he sits me down and he goes, you don't want this job. He goes, I work nights, holidays, and weekends. He's like, I work when everyone else is not working. He's like, you don't want this job. He goes, but I've seen you work. Like you should go to college. And I'd be like, I can't can't do college. He's like, yeah, you can. He's like, I've seen how you work, but I, I wouldn't believe him. Right. So then I, I thought, okay, I need another job. I need a job that has better hours. And so mm-hmm. I started working at this oil change place. I thought, you know, that's, you know, nine to five, a uh, little bit on Saturday as well. I could do that. And then my manager found out that that was my goal. And he sat me down <laughs> and said, you don't want this job. He goes, we do five services. I'm so sick of doing those five services. And, you yeah. know, He's like, I'm not growing at all in my life. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, you don't want to do this. And he's like, you should go to college. And I'm like, I can't do college. And he's like, yeah, you could. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. And I even started doing martial arts and I was even asked to be on the teaching staff, you know? So now I'm teaching classes and I'm like, oh, I could do this. And then my sensei sits me down and he goes, this isn't a full-time gig, man. This is my part-time job. Right. You know, it's just a hobby, really. He's like, you're not going to make a lot of money on this. You can't, you should go to college. And I'm like, I can't do college. And he's like, yes, you can. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so having like all these different people, like who were, were cared enough to sit me down and say, I've seen what you can do and, and you could do this. But uh, probably one of the biggest things though, is meeting Connie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know at the time that she'd become my wife, but <laughs> When we sat down and talked about what our goals and stuff were that we'd like to do in life, 
she wanted to be educated, but she wanted to be at home. She wanted to be a stay home mom and she wanted to be in the PTA and she wanted to go into the classes and she wanted to be there. And I, I'm like, I really like this girl, but she needs somebody who's going to be able to afford to support the family. And so now I had a choice and, uh, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get a job that I can do that, I'm like, crap, I have to give college a try. (laughs) And How how did you face that fear? Cause that, that, I mean, you can tell already that that was a really daunting prospect. Oh gosh. Yeah. The idea of doing college, like you listening to the people around you and it's like, well, if this manager thought, and if this manager thought, and if this manager thought, and this sensei thought, and Connie thinks, then maybe I ought to think about it. And I had to kind of let go of that because it's almost like a little, your mindset sometimes is a little blanket that you just yeah. kind of like, yeah. It's comfortable. Like college is going to be hard and I didn't want to do it. And so I didn't realize that having the learning disability became my out. Right. Yeah. It's like, I don't have to worry about college because I'm not going to do it. And it was my way of saying, I don't want to do that hard thing. Yeah. But surprisingly enough, I loved college. Mm. (laughs) even though it took me five years to get my bachelor's, I still got it. Yeah. And guess who cares that it took me five years? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody cares that it took me five years. Nobody asks. They yeah. just go, oh, you got the degree? Cool. Yeah. You know, but that first year was just learning how, how to do college. Right. I have to give all the props in the world to the tutors at the math lab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... Not only did they help me with math, but they discovered what the learning disability looked like. And it was one of the tutors who actually, when he came over and helped out, said, you know what I notice? You always write your numbers wrong. You know, not every one of them, but there's always Mm -hmm. one or two that's written wrong. So I knew that I had dysgraphia, but I didn't know what it was. I I didn't have any resources or anything. It was just teachers maybe were a little nicer to me. I didn't get to learn what it was. And so when that tutor said that, he goes, I tell you what, this is what we'll do from now on. If you have a question, so you put up the little flag when you're having a little struggle. So I put up the flag. He goes, I'll come over. I'll check your numbers. If your numbers are wrong, then we'll just correct them and then I'll go away and you try it again. And if you still have trouble, then put it up and then I'll come back over. And we just set up this little arrangement and so he'd come over and go, oh, it's 34, not 43. And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, because if you change a mm-hmm. number in a math problem, it's going to be a different it's answer. It's huge. Yeah. And the the crazy thing is that as soon as I fixed the numbers, I would get the right answer. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm like, I can do this. Right. It's like, I can do math. I knew the formula. The problem is I was just putting in my numbers wrong. Right. And that's why I was getting a different answer. And we just didn't know that before yeah and so for him to figure that out and just to set up that little arrangement Mm -hmm. um like it was like oh okay and so then there was another time i'm sitting in the lab all the tutors are busy i put up my flag and i'm just sitting there waiting for him to come over and check him because for some reason i can't see it when i'm looking at it Mm -hmm. it looks fine to me and i'm like there's something wrong there's something going on and the person next to me this guy, I don't know him. He's doing his work, but then he like stretches, you know, and kind of like takes a drink and, and I'm like, okay, he's not working. 
So I just said to him, I said, hey, buddy, can you do me a quick favor? Could you just check my numbers on this and make sure I have it right? And he looks over at it and he goes, oh, it's 36, not 33, not, not 63. Uh, it's 84, not 48, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, thanks. And then I did it and I got the right answer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it was another skill. Like it was one skill with the tutor and the pattern that we had, but to learn to advocate yeah, and to ask for help. Yeah. Like I just asked him, I said, Hey, could you help me here for a second? And then all of a sudden I didn't need the tutor anymore. Right. And so, so other people's patience. Yeah. Helped you to develop confidence. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to be aware of you and even see your needs allowed you to see, Oh, I, I can do this. And then once you had the confidence of I can do this, instead of feeling insecure, it was like, okay, well, this is this issue. And then you started to see, well, I actually actually speak up for myself and get more help from other people other than just a tutor. Right. And so for, for just to get the kind of the, you know, the guts or the confidence or, or to be able to say, this is uncomfortable, but Hey, could you please do me a favor and check this out for me? I found that nine times out of 10, people are going to say, yes, I'll help you. Yeah. And then that led to, cause like after high school, I went on my mission and I went on my mission a little late and then I didn't start college till like years after mm-hmm. my mission. I'm an older student, but when you go back to high school to get any of your paperwork, like it's gone. Right. So I had nothing. I couldn't show anything to UVU to say that I have these issues. Yeah. Um, but when I learned that I could just advocate for myself, I just went up to the teachers at the beginning of the semester and I said, Hey, look, I was tested and I found out I had learning disabilities when I was in my senior year. And I'm just learning how those things are, but I don't have anything to show for that. But I just want you to know that I do have these issues and I'm going to work for you. Yeah. And what I found is nine times, (laughs) nine times out of 10, my teachers accommodated for me. Mm -hmm. Like even without any documentation. Right. Like I remember getting an English paper back and it's all covered in red, which is the nightmare. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like to just see a paper covered in red marks. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, like this is horrible. But when I read it, it wasn't like points being taken off or anything. Yeah. Like it was the teacher saying, Oh, I've noticed this, or I'm noticing this. Is this what you were talking about? Or is, is this what your disorder is like? Right. And it was, it was all these questions about me yeah. as a person and about what my issues are. And so having teachers do that, you know, was awesome. Yeah. Like they were just really helpful. And, then, and you know, they, they just wanted to help. And I found that college teachers will just... If they, if they know they can put their energy into somebody and it's going to be worth it, mm-hmm. they'll totally do it. Yeah. You know, they'll, they will totally put in the effort. And I had so many teachers that would do that. And I said nine times out of 10, you'll have those ones here and yeah. there. And then it's just like, well, okay, well, all right. So those are the classes I'd get like a C in or something like that. Or I didn't fail them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That yeah. was a big thing. But with the other classes, like I learned so much more 
through their help. And I was, so I was just glad that I actually like spoke up and talked about it. But those are things that kind of start melting away the mindset that, and it helps you find out what you are. Yeah. Cause like I said earlier, I, I knew I wasn't dumb, but I didn't know what I was. Yeah. I knew I knew I wasn't smart, but then you find out there's other ways of being smart. There's other ways to, to make it through things other than just like, I never got straight A's my entire life. And, uh, even when I only had one class, like my statistics class in the semester, I got a B plus. <laughs> so it's like my one chance for a 4.0 and I still couldn't do it, but it, it's just like that stuff wasn't important anymore. It was like, just know the material and how it applies to something else. Because there was a time um, I had an astronomy homework to do and I didn't know where to do it. So I went back to the math lab because the math lab was so helpful. The comfort zone now. <laughs> and it was, but I didn't know that there was a science lab. I didn't know there mm. was an English lab, you know, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I, back then they didn't have freshman orientation and, you know, tour the campus and stuff like that. At least I, I didn't know if they did because I never did that. But I went in to do the astronomy homework in the math lab and I had a question. I'd put up the flag and one of the tutors comes over and he looks at it and he goes, this isn't math. And I said, I said, yeah, I know, but I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. And he goes, well, there is a science lab that you could go to. And I'm like, oh, really? And he goes, but let's see what you're working on anyways. And then he used math principles mm. just to figure out the astronomy thing. And yeah. that, that taught me that principles in one area can be applicable in other areas. Yeah. And so, you know, that I, I have my group that I did called Life Principles, and that's uh -huh. really where that kind of comes from. It's like, understand how principles work, and then you'll figure out how they work in other areas too. Yeah. And so I was always trying to find like, okay, what are the basic principles of this? And then you find similar principles in other areas as well, and it helps you understand it better. Yeah. And so that's why I was always about like principles and the basic principles and things, because I got to see like how, how they work and how like teaching, you know, on the mission, teaching one thing can work into a, a giving a talk, teaching and talking are, are not that much different. You're just not going to get a lot of back and forth, you know, and you have to ask the questions that the audience have for you. And, and so like when you really understand how principles work, then all of a sudden, you can figure out things differently. And then that became like, oh, I can see what I am. I'm not stupid. I may not be the smartest guy in the room, but I can, I can, I can, I can see patterns and I can see yeah. principles and yeah. I can see how that principle applies in this area. Yeah. You shift it. And you are really good at that. <laughs> that became one of my strengths is to be able to find patterns in things and then be able to assess and, and, put an intervention in for that yeah but those are where That's those awesome. things, those came from i mean this is all powerful learning and you're developing a, a new mindset and yeah i mean i i look at it as like okay well that's that's good and great but then there's grad school <laughs> i mean just the fact that we're i think it's a it's a tribute to who you are as a person that you didn't allow this this burden and i'm not talking about the learning disability but this this deep mindset of i'm not 
good enough, smart enough, you know, whatever it might be to stop you from continuing to pursue your goals. How did right. you get into grad school? Oh man. And that was, that was a big fear factor as well, because I had a, I had a moment in one of my psychology classes where the teacher asked for two volunteers, one to be a therapist and one to be the, the client. And so one would be the client and the teacher was going to be the therapist. And this girl came down and they worked on a small little issue and for a couple minutes. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And then, uh, she goes, okay, who wants to be my therapist? And everyone in the class just puts their hands on the floor. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> not me, you know? And, uh, but nobody was going and, and I'd been pushed out of my comfort zone a ton on my mission and stuff. And I thought, you know, let's just go for it. You know? So I raised my hand, I said, I'll do it. And so she's like, great, come on down. And I had no, I had no thoughts of becoming a therapist someday, but this was a big turning point for me. So she starts giving me this whole spiel about how she has a hard time with one of her daughters-in-law who's not a member of the same church. And they're always trying to do things to make her feel comfortable and helping her understand things and whatever. I have no idea what to say about any of this, but I notice a pattern and the pattern is that she kept saying, and we're always trying to blank. We're always trying to make her feel comfortable. We're always trying to make sure she understands what we're talking about. We're always trying to, you know, we're always trying, we're always trying. And so I just, I thought like, well, maybe you're trying so hard to not offend her that you're actually offending her. Right. I'm like, do you treat your other uh, daughters-in-law this way? And she's like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about that. And then I'm like, can I go back to my seat now? Thanks. You know, <laughs> and, and, uh, cause I'm like, all right, cool. You know, but uh, the next next semester, I sprained my ankle playing basketball. And I always take the stairs because you're always sitting a lot, you know. So I'd always mm -hmm. take the stairs, but I sprained my ankle. And so I, I had to take the elevator. So I get in the elevator, and this other lady gets on too. And I'm like, what floor? And I push the button. I turn around. I'm like, oh, hey, Dr. Cherry, how are you? And she goes, I'm really sorry. I'm not one of those teachers that remembers everybody's names. She's, I don't remember your name. And I said, that's totally fine. I said, but how's your relationship with your daughter-in-law? And she goes, was that you? And I go, yeah, I was your therapist for five minutes in that <laughs> class. And she goes, I have to thank you. She goes, it changed everything. She goes, I realized I was treating my daughter-in-law differently than my other daughter-in-laws. And I just treated her the same. And she's one of my closest uh, daughter-in-laws that I have now. She's like, thank yeah. you for pointing that out. And then the bell rings and the door opens and she walked out and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, maybe I can be a therapist. Yeah. And so that was, that was the moment that I'm like, I'm like, maybe I can do this. And I look into it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need a master's degree mm -hmm. to be able to do that. But then I was like, well, if I've already gone this far, you know, I might as well go a little bit farther. But I, what I learned is that in my master's program is I just had to advocate. Yeah, I had to advocate for, for myself and I had to talk to my teachers the same way I talked to all the other teachers. And I found that all my teachers, not nine times out of 10, but 10 out of 10 at the BYU master's program, they accommodated me with no documents or anything like that. They're just like, yep. Yeah. Oh, is that an issue? Okay. We'll help you with that. The study group that I had, I just let them know 
what my issues were because it's not just dysgraphia. I also have an auditory processing issue, which means I have a hard time taking notes and listening at the same time. Right. It's like I'm either taking notes or I'm listening. And so I use this skill of being able to memorize movie lines and I can memorize the lines of what my instructors were saying. Yeah. And, and that might sound funny, but like there was a time where two people were arguing over like, well, no, the teacher said this, no, the teacher said this. And I go, no, she said it this way. And this is where they were standing when they were, (laughs) where they were at. And, and then a couple more people came in and I was right. Yeah. I had remembered it correctly. And so I just had to develop other skills, you know, and yeah. in my family, we always love to, to memorize movie lines and use them all the time and stuff. And I just use that skill and just brought that in and, you know, look at a lecture as a, as a movie. If I had a teacher just stood there and did nothing, it was really hard. But if they walk back and forth and have inflections of their voice, I could memorize the things that they said. And, but when you talk about being a, getting a master's degree out of the six kids of my family, three of us have master's degree and all my siblings still laugh to this day that I'm one of them that has a master's. (laughs) Like it it makes zero sense to any of us that I have a master's degree because of how much elementary school, junior high and high school was a nightmare for me and my parents trying to get me to do homework and stuff like that. But I'm one of the three that has it. And it's, it's hilarious. It is funny. Well, and it speaks to the strengths that you came to discover as you were able to start shedding that identity of stupid. Yeah. And I don't think any of my siblings thought I was stupid, you know, and, but it was just me. I just like, I just, that's what I just said to myself. I can't do it. And it yeah. just, it just became my identity of who I was. And, and then you can't do certain things. But now I realize that I was only limiting myself, but you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think this is so cool as you, as you've come to develop yourself and, and heal from that mindset, not only have you and I been colleagues as therapists, and not only have we been friends and, you know, gone on double dates with our wives and (laughs) we've also been a part of a writing group, right? You know, which is kind of interesting. Like when you're talking about this issue that you've had, we're in a writing group together. You're like actively pursuing writing. Right. I have a writing disorder and I'm in a writing group. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is so cool. Right. And and it's and even just, you know, in the year and a half or two that we've been doing that writing group, I, I mean I've just watched your writing get better and better and better. And I think a big piece of that speaks to some of what you've been developing in this whole process of life is I can do, I don't need to be afraid of feedback. In fact, I welcome feedback because I can learn from feedback and get better at it. Like so many times where I've been like giving you feedback on something you've written and, and your response isn't like, well, what about, it's more of, thank you. That really helps. Right. And you've given me some direct feedback that I know that you've been afraid of wondering what I'm going to say. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh my camera, you can, you know, and and I'm just like, oh, great. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. that. And the more direct, the better. Yeah. And uh, in fact, you know, I've always asked for it to be direct from you. And you're like, is this too direct? And I'm like, yeah. not direct enough. I'm like, it's great. I'm like, yeah, just learn that that type of feedback is, is it's quicker, you know. Well, and so I think that speaks to part of your healing process is humility. 
right? You, you have a sense of humility you, and, and, a, and a resilience uh, where you don't take things personally. Without that, I don't think you would have been able to accomplish all the things that you've been accomplishing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just call it acceptance. Like, if, you, if I'm really going to accept that this is what it is, like, I have a writing issue. Then I have to accept everything else that comes with it. Yeah. Including feedback. Yeah. You know, it means somebody's going to say, hey, you wrote that wrong. And you've seen, like, when we facilitate groups, like, I'll... I'll write up stuff on the whiteboard that the boys are saying, but I, I don't know how to spell the word. Right. Or I spelled it wrong and I didn't notice it. Yeah. And then the, the students are like, Gary, you spelled that wrong. And there's a couple different ways you could respond to that. You know, I could get embarrassed and, and try to talk my way out of it or something, or I can just say, Oh, there's my disorder showing itself. Uh, anybody know how to spell it correctly? Yeah. And sometimes they would help me spell it correctly. And sometimes none of us knew how to spell it right. And we just go, well, we know what it means, right? Okay. <laughs> and then we move on. Yeah. And, but I had a lot of students who told me later on that they, that helped them accept their own issues. Right. How much I accepted mine. And so if I'm going to just accept it, then I have to accept everything that comes from it, including feedback. And so when I get feedback, I just have to say, thank you. And move on and try to apply that the next time. Yeah. And if it doesn't come in the next time, then fine. I accept that feedback and move on again. And in learn in uh, interviews, people would say, is there anything that might hinder you from doing this job? Well, I said, yep. You know, I have this writing disorder and I said, but you know, if, if I need to write something that went to court or something like that, I would just send it to John Hall. Yeah. <laughs> John Hall would do all the editing for yeah. me and he was so helpful in that you know and but that was something we talked about in the interview i said this is a thing and i, I just tell ed consultants and i tell parents hey this is an issue some of my emails may not seem as professional but this is why and i never had an issue with an ed yeah. consultant with the parent or with anybody and if it, if it needed to go to a court i said you know i just need someone to edit for me and john hall goes send it to me i'll edit it for you and we did that the whole time that it worked at Telos. If I had something yeah. I had to go to something serious, I'd send it to John. He would edit it, and then we would we would send it on. So yeah. being open about it, that it is what it is, has been more of a strength than than hiding it. Every, yeah, every absolutely. Week. Well, it's fun because we talked about writing, and you've got this kind of writing disorder and all that kind of stuff, and yet you've written a book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if my, my English teachers could see that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I wrote a book on the principles of public speaking, but applying it to an LDS audience, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody could use it for public speaking, but in the LDS church, we, we uh, as the congregation, get asked to do the sermons. Mm -hmm. And we just fall into a lot of old patterns and stuff because we're just not, you don't do it as often yeah. to get really good at it. And so this book is just how to write and give a good talk. And for people who are wanting to get a little better, get a little bit better at it and to be able to handle the emotions that come with it. Um, and then to just break free of some of the, the habits that, that we all kind of have. Well, even the mental blocks. Yeah. I love I love the tagline at the at the uh, for the book. Uh, you you don't have to like giving a talk. 
but you don't have to be afraid of it either. Right. And I think that speaks to the ways that you have overcome in quotes, this learning disability. You don't have to like having a learning disability. You don't have to be afraid of it either. Right. Yeah. It's actually one of my, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of my strengths now, as you yeah. said, because of all the other things that kind of come with it, the ability to accept feedback, the ability to advocate, the, the ability to find patterns and to have agreements with, with other people. You know, it, it's still there. It's still a hard wiring issue. I still, my handwriting is still poor. It still hurts when I write sometimes. I still mix up my letters and stuff, but I've just learned how to, yeah, I've been using the skills for so long that it's like, it's not even, I don't even think about the skills anymore. It's just part of what I do, but it took time. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if I would have known all these patterns and stuff before, then it would have taken a shorter amount of time. And I, I realized that there's some things I couldn't do. There was one time I went in for a job interview, one that I'd never had before. It gave me a, a math test and some problem solving things. And this was like a couple of years after my mission. So there's like four of us. It gives us this test. We have 10 minutes to complete these 10 problems. And I, I, I only got through two of them in the 10 minutes. And then we're all sitting down and he's like, all right, you know, tell me what you got for the number one. And this one girl goes, I got this. And he goes, that's correct. He goes, and he goes to the next guy, what did you get? And I go, I got the same thing. And the next guy goes, I got the same thing. And he looks at me and I go, I got the same thing. I did not get the same thing. (laughs) I completely lied out of that. You know, I was like, I I wasn't even close. And then we go through number two and the girl says, I got this. Oh, that's correct. You know, what'd you get? Oh, I got the same thing. And he comes to me. I got the same thing. And I go, Hey, can I use your bathroom real quick? And he's like, yeah, just right around the corner, right over there. And I went around the corner through the test in the trash can and I walked right out the building. And uh, I'm sure he's probably heard that. I need to use the bathroom excuse before. Um, But I'm like, that job's not for me. Yeah. And I could have walked out of that going like, I'm stupid, I'm dumb. But I'd already kind of gone through all that. And I'm like, yep, that's my my dysgraphia there. And that job's not for me. And so I went on to something else and yeah, and I, I didn't let that bother me after that. Like it was a little bothersome for a little bit because I hadn't fully gone through the whole healing thing, but I was like, glad I got out of there. And I'm again, glad I got to grade my own test. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was big. Uh, but yeah, it was like this thing for me. And uh, yeah, it's the adaptability. If, if, if that would have happened later on, I would have been more honest and I would have just, you know, before we even sat down, if I would have got that test, I would have looked through it and go, you know what, guys, this isn't for me. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do this job. And then I would have left, but I hadn't fully understood the advocating part yet. I was afraid of college, but now I tell people like, don't say that you can't do college because you'll never know. Like I'm actually teaching college now. I'm an adjunct teacher at UVU. Yeah, that's so cool. Where I went. I'm like, what? Like, I'm I'm actually teaching college classes now. Yeah. But it's awesome. I love doing it. And I just take things from those teachers that I loved and I'm like, I'm gonna incorporate those in my class because yeah. it really helped me and and I can help these other students as well. Yeah. And so it's fun. So I'm gonna do it again this next semester. They asked me back. And so 
That's cool. Teach another intro to social work. And then I'm also teaching diversity in social work practice. So I'm going to do two classes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love your story, Cameron, like you, what you've overcome, who you've become is just really awesome. And what words of encouragement would you have for others who may be going through some of the same things that you went through? Well, you have to check your mindset. Is it really a block or is it a, or is it an excuse? I found out it for a while it was a block, but then I used it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, that wasn't the best thing to do. But also finding the pattern, like, and this is a thing that we've talked about with our clients going home. What's the issue? What are the warning signs? What are the skills? Like, if you can answer those three questions, you, you, you're golden. You can do anything. Because I knew where my issues came up. I knew that it was being an issue at the time, and I knew what to do about it. So it's like, what's the issue? What's the warning sign? What's the skill? Yeah. If you can answer those three, um, then you can do anything because you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, yeah. You can figure out the skills that bridge the gaps. And so I have a writing disorder and I wrote a book and I'm now teaching college. Yeah. That shouldn't be in one sentence. Yeah, yeah but it is. And it's so awesome. But it is. Because I know what the issue is. I know what when it's an issue and I know what to do about it. And if you just know what the issue is and when it's an issue, then all you need to learn is the third one is what to do. And you can learn that. And I teach that in therapy. You teach that to your clients. And you can figure out what to do. And yeah, it'll take a little bit of practice, but so did driving. So did walking. You know, yeah. so did reading. Those all took practice and now you don't even have to worry about it anymore. You just do it. Yeah. And so you put in a little bit of the effort about it, answer those three questions. What's the issue? How do I know it's an issue? And what are the skills? Like you can learn those. And as therapists, like some people come, sometimes people come to us and they go, I don't even know what the issue is. Yeah. But that's when we do an assessment and we go, okay, I think it's this. And this is how it shows itself. And here's some things you can do about it. So you can get all three of those things in yeah. a good, from a good therapist. Yeah. Yeah. You can do Love it. it. Thank you, Cameron, for being on my show and inspiring us all with your journey of healing and look forward to, to seeing more books from you. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for giving me the opportunity on here. I, I didn't really think my story would work on a podcast like this, but you know, you've let me know that it was a healing journey for me. And that's been a really nice thing to ponder since you asked me to be on this, to go, I have healed. Yeah. I've, I've healed a lot. And yeah, just like a broken bone is stronger after it, it heals. Like I'm so much stronger now because of it. It's now so much of a strength that I wouldn't even wish it away. Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm who I am now because of my learning dis- disability, not, not despite it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Cameron. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I hope you were able to gain insight into your own healing process and how to help others on theirs. Cameron is such a good example of humility and courage. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast Feel free to share this episode with others that might benefit from the messages you've heard today. If you 
or someone else you know would like to be a guest on my podcast, feel free to email me at nathansellerslcsw at gmail.com. I look forward to having you back on future episodes.